0: To truly flourish as image-bearers of God, might that require us to give something up?
1: Well, it, it probably will,
0: Yeah. Right. And are we willing to, are we right. willing to, I'm, and yeah, I'm asking that of myself.
1: Welcome to Hallway Conversations. We're a trio of educators who have plenty of questions about teaching and learning and school culture, and we believe in the value of collaboration and reflection as we seek to keep growing as teachers. So this podcast is our place for thinking out loud together about issues in education and why they might matter to Christian educators. Welcome to the conversation.
2: Hello, everyone, welcome to Hallway
1: Conversations. My name is Matt Beamers.
2: I'm Abby DeGro.
0: And I'm Dave Mulder. For those of you new here, we are trying to create space to play around with a few ideas in the context of what it means to teach and lead Christianly. One of our deep hopes is that you might be encouraged to go back to your classroom, your staff room, or hallway, and engage in your own hallway conversations. We also love it when listeners give us feedback, suggest ideas for shows, or even send in questions. Please send your feedback to hallwaycombospod at gmail.com. That's hallwaycombospod at gmail.com. So Dave and Abby, we have been working through Andy Wolf and Lynn Swanner's book, Flourishing Together, A Christian Vision for Students, Educators, and Schools. Mm -hmm. And last week we went through Section 1. We're doing this for the next few weeks. Yep. Um, And so this week, we are focused on part two, which is around relationships. So before we begin, my check-in question for today is, who's one teacher in your K-12 experience that you had a positive relationship with? Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, that person's coming to your mind in terms of positive relationship or an inclusive um, and safe culture in their classroom. Have you somebody come to mind for you?
2: Yeah, well, I had the unique opportunity to teach with many of my former teachers. Oh, Oh, wow. (laughs) So I started my first job was at my alma mater high school, right? right So I had been there five years earlier as a student. (laughs) And then got to teach with all of these people um, as well. And so that was an interesting experience. But I taught next door to um, Karen Christians, who I know – Listens every once in a while to the show, so if you're listening, Karen, hi Karen. Hi Karen. Um, and I would say I had her as a teacher as well, and she definitely embodies that very safe, very welcoming, very hospitable stance. And was like that as um, as a colleague as well. So we taught next door to each other. She was also an English teacher, and I always think I really learned how to teach um, through swimming lessons and through my door being open during my prep period while Karen taught.
1: Right? Oh, yeah, right? She
2: had a unique ability to connect with students, has a mm-hmm. unique ability okay. Um from all spectrums, from mm-hmm. all kind of walks, no matter whether school was your thing or whether, you know, you were a lot more interested in farming or mm-hmm. sports or whatever. Unique ability to connect, yeah. I would say. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Thanks for okay. sharing. Yeah, I'm
0: right, I'm right away thinking of um, Ken Lodewijk. I was a high school volleyball coach. I loved sports. Sports was sort of my into education. I didn't love school. I, I mm-hmm. was you know for me it was other things that that kept me there. Uh, the people, the sports, and he was probably the first one of the first coaches I remember. He didn't come till my literally my senior year of high school. That sort of really showed to me um, that you can have a high um, level of um, excellence and accountability, but also high support. Like he pushed us like And I loved it. I thrived. I was like, this is amazing. Like he demanded the best for us. Um, and he held us accountable, but it was all—it wasn't always just here's what you're doing wrong, but here's how mm-hmm. we're gonna fix it. Here's how I'm gonna help you be a better player. Here's how I'm gonna help you be a better person off the court. And he was—he was very intense and very serious, but every once in a while, he seemed to know when to also let his guard down and show a playful side to himself. And—and and he just created this culture of where, that demanded the best. To, that led to us wanting the best for mm-hmm. ourselves um, and, and not settling, so to speak. So yeah, it's somebody that comes to my mind as, as I was thinking as you were talking about Karen being, Karen being able to uh, create, relate to all people thinking about canon just high support high Mm -hmm. accountability. Mm
1: -hmm. How about you? So I'm gonna pick on Bob Slager was my one of my junior high science teachers I believe he was my eighth grade science teacher and I I would attribute the fact that I became a junior high science Mm -hmm. teacher Mm. to Bob Slager. Um, He was the sort of teacher who's quirky but in such a genuine and caring way Um, and his classroom was one where it was good to be smart. It is okay to be smart, and and just that kind of affirmation. Uh, The middle school that I went to, we had like an exploratory program, and so I took several exploratory courses with him specifically because it was him. Like, mm-hmm. I, I had some choice in, in which ones I would take, and so uh, I took a model rocketry class. I learned how to build and design my own model rockets with Bob Slager, mm. and that was a formative oh. experience for me. Uh, we took a class called Outdoor Adventures, and it was uh, biking, camping, hiking, photography. You know, like, his his loves. Oh, and, yeah. like, that was formative for me. And so we did a bike hike, um, you know, you pedal 20 miles and camp out and yeah. take pictures while you're like, there. It was that kind I of love, a, love an experience, it. right? And these are all things I still love today yeah. and I'm convinced it's because of that kind of, he was just such a relational yeah. guy, yeah. You know? yeah. Oh, awesome. it
0: matters. It does matter. Those things matter actually. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me as you said that, right. And in sort of our interactions, like what, how you set a culture of, of what is okay in your classroom, right? Whether yes. it's around behavior yes. or whether it's around ac- academics, right. Mm-hmm. Of, of, I had a student mention this morning, um talking about a positive classroom culture, having having a teacher in school that made it okay to to be peculiar, to love different things mm-hmm. to like and it was really the first time where she felt safe to love different music or different art or yeah. all those types of things. And so it's just a reminder, right is mm-hmm. what you notice, what you notice and give permission for mm-hmm. around those around those passions is yeah. is important. Dave and Abby, we are. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we're in Swanner and Wolf's book here about, about flourishing. And we're to use, today we're going to use a AAA protocol. So we all use protocols in our classroom, and, and this is one we probably all use at, at one time or another. And so just for listeners, and we encourage you to use these protocols, but basically around, there's three rounds to the AAA protocol. It's uh, round one is each person shares something that they agree with in the book or that resonated. Round two is that each person identifies one thing they want to argue with in the text. And then round three is um, each person identifies one thing they want to aspire to as, as a leader mm-hmm. or as an educator. So in the in that context, um, Dave, maybe I can start with you. Sure. How about one thing that you agreed with in the text, and maybe you, if you want, you can
1: cite the text or the page yeah, number, and maybe just talk about why that resonated. Um, so I'm on page 79, and this is the chapter called Abiding Together. I really love that that word yeah. picture of abiding, right? So it's not just hanging out or passing each other, but like intentionally spending time together. Um, And I'll just read a little bit of it here. Um, Paradoxically, teaching and learning in schools can be lonely regardless of the quantity of people in the buildings. Teachers often spend much of their day apart from their adult colleagues, often only touching base in the corridors. Leaders may rush from one meeting to the next, addressing action plans and deliverables, but rarely stopping just to be with one another." Mm -hmm. And I'll skip down a little bit here. If if relationships are fundamental to flourishing, then each of us needs to take care to establish deliberate rhythms and routines with people we trust to guarantee we stay grounded. Mm -hmm. And that piece just so... I really want to agree with that. (laughs) I think about my years teaching in K-12 schools. Yeah, like I would see colleagues in the hallway when we're standing in the hallway during passing times. Yeah. Um, we'd run into each other in the workroom, but it's often me coming while they're yeah. going or, you know, yeah. um, our, our intentional time together was during yeah. lunch when we were sitting in the cafeteria with our students, but we would try to at least sit together for seven or eight minutes and yeah. be able to yeah. touch base at least. how the, how's it going. And it's just really hard because people are so yeah. busy all yeah. the time. Uh-huh. And just it is fascinating to me how often... Teachers are really lonely in, in their work. And I guess I'm, I'm characterizing that on my own experience, but many teachers that I've talked to for a job where you're with people all the time, mm-hmm. it's often yeah. really lonely work.
2: I agree. Yeah. And you, know, you do have contact with other adults, right. but it is often in passing. And it actually kind of goes with what I was going to agree with. Please. So if yeah, we want to transition. Yeah. um where it talks about collective leadership, um, so it's talking about relationship among educators. They're talking about relationship among educators in the building um, and calling for kind of leadership interdependence. I have the Kindle version of the book, so I don't know page numbers, so okay. I apologize. but um Sorry. it's in the first chapter of this section. So we're looking at let's see chapter four, flourishing relationships. Um, among educators. And it's talking about collaboration, um, specifically communities of practice Mm. among teachers was the thing that I really appreciated them talking about. Um, For me, I actually was part of a professional development initiative that worked to establish communities of practice. And they talk about, um, they say, collaboration is a necessary condition for creating what each Etienne Wenger, I think I said that right, describes as communities of practice or groups of people who share a concern or passion for something they do and learn how to do it better as they interact by developing a shared language, working toward common goals, and committing to supportive relationships with each other. So teachers can work together on improving improving student learning outcomes, right? Um, Supporting students who have learning difficulties, um, inclusion, unpacking standards, mapping curriculum, designing lessons, constructing assessments that measure mastery. um, All of those things that are just easier to do when you have colleagues around you doing the work together. Um, We would look at student work. We would look at our tasks and give each other constructive feedback around a protocol, yeah. and it was just such a vital part of my professional growth that I really appreciated, yeah. um, this idea of developing, not just like you have 45 minutes mm-hmm. in a mm-hmm. room, but specific communities of practice where you're working toward a common goal and developing shared language, mm-hmm. right? With,
1: with a longer term view. Absolutely. This, this it's not, kind of it's not just
2: plan for next week, right? right? Although planning time is important. Yep. Yep. to collaborate together but there are these communities of practice studying deeper issues and working toward bigger goals. Yeah. So if I yeah. think about the kind of classroom, right, that we want where we want our learners to be interdependent together. Yeah. yeah. Um I don't think that it's possible to create that if you are not plugged into and part of one yourself.
0: Yeah, it's, it yeah. it makes me it makes me think about then the the things that we hope for as school mm-hmm. leaders. If we don't provide resources, time, mm-hmm. um, just different, yeah, that that we we create a framework that allows yeah. that to happen in our right. scheduling. you know it it goes back to this. Now this is a, related a bit to what I was going to talk about um, in terms of of allowing students to do real work, real need that you mm-hmm. know for real people. and Waltersdorf, Nicholas Woltersdorf, has this quote that we cited before about it being an, a, a grossly unwarranted hope kind of a, a pious wish that students upon graduation will will shape and form culture if they are not given opportunity to, to practice that in That's school right. but, mm-hmm. but it makes me think about that even around hey like what kind of culture do you want if we don't allow our our teachers to practice a certain yeah. culture with each other yeah. if we don't have norms in a staff room. How can we expect that to translate? It, it becomes a grossly unwarranted hope yeah. as a school leader and a pious wish yeah. that students, that faculty who don't learn together and build relationship and um, sharpen each other, that that that's actually that those trusting relationships yeah. are magically going to happen in in our classroom. Yeah. You know, thanks for sharing that. My quote comes from from page sixty four, and uh, it just says, "Schools that engage the community help students understand what it means to love our neighbor," which has a lasting impact into adulthood i mean it just made me think about what are the what is our you know our deep hope for for our students mm-hmm. yeah. um, for and all of this in an acted rigorously academic um, context but how are we ensuring that there's a connection between um, the head and the heart that the things that we're learning um, education as formation i mean it's a of course we want our students to love our neighbor and to understand who their neighbor is mm-hmm. Um, But again, it it becomes this pious wish and this ungrossly warranted hope if they're never rubbing shoulders with their neighbor. If they they literally don't know who their neighbor is. And it just made me realize, and this is not my question, I heard this from someone else, and and you have probably have heard this before too, right? But it's this idea like if your school shut their doors tomorrow and closed down forever, um, would your neighborhood miss you, or yeah. would there be great rejoicing Oof. in the land? Right? <laughs> right, right. And it's something to think about, right? Is like, is like, how do our neighbors view us, and and have we even have we even asked them, mm-hmm. like, yep. what is their perception yep. of, of who we are? And I just think about uh, my friend uh, Daryl, who Daryl DeBorah works with, teaching for transformation. He often uses the language of di- things being deeper in and further out. And I think when we do real work that meets a real need. Um, to use uh, Swanner and Wolf's language of um, how do we get our students to move into our neighborhood, or our, our mm-hmm. schools to move into our neighborhood, to be a faithful presence that then our then our faith is it goes deeper in, but it also goes further out. And I just yeah. love that idea um, of of being involved in our neighborhood, of contributing to the common good. What might what that means for our neighborhood? What that means for our school and what that means for our students how they're all being formed yeah, yeah. Um, in that so those that's the one thing that, that i really resonated now abby <laughs> is there something in your reading that you you wanted to argue with or that didn't resonate or that you yeah. wondered about
2: can I you think, share that yeah i think one thing that gave me just a little bit of pause and wondering um in the section in chapter five about enduring relationships so they introduced the term meno right about that abiding Mm -hmm. relationships i wondered about the idea of long abiding relationships in the context of teachers i think they mentioned traveling with students Mm. right from from grade to grade um, or colleagues working with one another across the years and i think in healthy institutions with healthy individuals i think that that would be the asset that the authors describe it as However, I can't help but think that maybe promoting longevity as a rule Mm. could do harm Mm. in some situations with unhealthy people, right? And the authors do acknowledge that, like the human frailty part of it. So they say, this is a quote, and again, I don't have a page number. Um, But such mental commitment also permits and expects things to go wrong in our relationships. When we enter into a mental relationship with one another, we do so acknowledging that we will make mistakes, let each other down, and cause one another pain. The choice to abide, regardless of that disappointment, shows grace at the heart of our connection, where we prioritize the relationship over the day-to-day success or failure. Absolutely. Right? Um mm-hmm. and also I worry for situations that could turn abusive <laughs> if people in positions of power are spiritually or mentally unhealthy. Mm. And so that abiding posture works when there are not outlying yeah. issues yeah. of abuse of power.
1: Yeah. It just comes back to this whole idea of, of you know um flourishing relationships. have yes. to. I mean, it's got to be all parts of, right. of this being flourishing then, right. too, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so,
2: so yes, it should be about abiding relationships, yeah. but also we have to be aware of the danger of mm-hmm. providing cover. Right, right. Right? Yeah. In a situation that could, could be harmful mm-hmm. for either students or other faculty.
1: I, I had it's in that same part of chapter five, but a little different uh, context. And mm-hmm. thing I'd like to argue with too. Um, this is in the section on page eighty one in my book, uh, serving relationships, and, and they're talking here about um, the role that educators play as as servants and the relationship. Mm-hmm. The posture of our relationship is often one of service, right? And uh, just a little bit of it here. They're talking through um, the story in John chapter thirteen of Jesus washing the disciples' mm-hmm. feet, and like this is the ultimate model of of service, right? That you're going to to not be so caught up in the trappings of your own Mm -hmm. office or role, right? Like, clearly the disciples should have been washing Jesus' feet, and instead he's he's washing theirs. Uh, But the bit that kind of caught me uh, was this. I'll read a little bit from page 81 here, right? On one level, the call of the Gospel is to clearly imitate and seek opportunities to do the same in all our relationships, whatever their power structures and hierarchies. Given the sheer volume of work and expectation in our roles, it can seem unthinkable to consider how we could serve someone else today. Yet, consistently choosing service can cause ripples of flourishing throughout practical actions that put others first. Mm-hmm. And this is this is complicated, right? Because I agree with that sentiment, but I also want to argue with mm-hmm. that a little bit because I think teachers are already primed mm-hmm. for service. Like we wouldn't even get into this profession if we weren't yeah. thinking of right. serving. Like others. our very right.
2: jobs are service.
1: Correct. Yeah. And so I once had a pastor who said uh, we should never be shooting on people. I always loved that yeah. that phrase, right? And this, and and I understand the context in which. Lynn and Andy are offering mm-hmm. it, so I want to be very yeah. grace, mm-hmm. grace-filled toward them in saying it, but it kind of felt like shooting on. Yeah. Well, you should really yeah. sacrifice every person. Well, of course we should, because yeah. that's what Christ followers yeah. are called to do, not just teachers. Yeah. like That's what it means yeah. to be a Christ follower. But I just wanted, like, in today's school climate and culture, I wondered how that would be received by yeah. other teachers. Mm-hmm. So that's a small quibble, really, in, yeah. the, in the midst of, yeah. of what I thought was a beautiful piece.
2: Right, yeah. absolutely. And mine is the same. Yeah. Like, they, they acknowledge. Totally. Right? Totally.
1: Yeah, and I'm also just wondering,
0: like, what that looks like depending on on where certain people are at in their life. Like, we yeah. go through seasons in life as teachers where we have more capacity right. to serve. yeah. And there's, and there's other, there's other times where it's actually, we have limited the capacity because of, because of what else is happening in our life. And, and that to me then comes back to, so what does it mean that we trust each other, Mm -hmm. that we trust each other as, as a faculty, right? That to say, Hey, now is not your time. And how do we actually, maybe there comes a time where we actually release each other sometimes from serving, right? Is to say, um, you know, it looks like this may, maybe, maybe you should take a pass on this actually knowing that that servant we embody service all the time no matter what yeah one of thanks for that dave one of one of the lines that i found really interesting it was actually a really small line it, it was um, school prac schools practice hospitality when they keep their doors open literally and metaphorically Ooh, yeah. so uh, i was trying to um picture what that looked like in terms of like if if they meant literally doors open like unlocked, um,
1: <laughs> like is, is that
0: what that like, <laughs> Ooh, or or yeah. did that mean around or around ed, admissions things right. like that? So um, I actually just wanted to ask you guys first before I go further. How did how do you read that line of schools practice hospitality when they keep their doors open, literally and metaphorically? <laughs> do you think they were and did you do you read that as around admissions or do you mean that? Literally our front doors are going to be unlocked yeah. during the day because, because I actually read it both ways and so yeah. I'm putting you on the spot here.
2: I don't know unlocked doors, but I think yeah. that families are welcome. Yeah, okay. Right? Or yeah. Yeah. or come visit us.
1: Exactly, right. Yeah. That people should be welcome. Right. Uh-oh. I mean
2: they have to buzz in. I, I, like yeah. speaking as a parent, yeah. I hope my kids' yeah. school's doors are not unlocked. Yeah. yeah. In this no. day and age. And I, that's I really the do. We live in. Yeah, yeah, I would have fun yeah. with that. Yeah. But
0: so, yeah. And that's why. so i've been and I've been in schools that have done both, actually. So I've been in schools where mm-hmm. there there was unlocked doors. But so the reason I wanted to again, and I come from a context where I was in a school that had open enrollment or what some people might call missional enrollment. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were we were a school that had practiced, had a covenantal enrollment policy and transitioned to, to open or missional. So mm-hmm. in a
1: nutshell, covenantal would be covenantal
0: good. means that yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. I don't want to assume language. Covenantal means that um, all like a family that applies to go there must be a member. Generally means must be a member of a church, like the family. Yeah. And open or missional means um, that you don't necessarily need to be a member of a church. The school is is op- is open for everybody. Anybody can go here. It's a mission field yeah, too, to- right? Totally, yeah. And one of the reasons, so I, I want to argue with this, not because I necessarily disagree with it, but I also I also feel like um, for schools to be open, um, there needs to be in terms of having open enrollment, what are the boundaries around that? Is it literally for is it literally for everyone? And and are schools being clear about that um, when when people enroll there? and what does hospitality look like what are the expectations like i always think hey there's always freedom within the law for for lack of a better word and so what are the expectations when you come to a faith based school in terms of what does it mean to partner with this school yeah. as parents yeah. are there any expectations and those and to be hospitable i think mm-hmm. means to those enrolling and those who are already mm-hmm. enrolled yeah. and so i just so as I read that, I, I really appreciate the notion of that, um, but I think there needs just to be a clear description of what that, mm-hmm. of what that means and what that looks like. Um, and harder
2: to do in places where it hasn't been the Totally, correct.
0: Totally. Right? And so how does it fit mission and vision? And so if schools are even going to do the work of switching from one mm-hmm. to the other. That's a big process. Um, that's a big process. And so when I read this, I just felt like whoa, like that was that was mentioned. I love the image of the table that they give all of that. I was yeah, like yeah. cheering that mm-hmm. on literally, but I also felt like boy, that is hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one thing to suggest it. I think I I would have liked some more practical. Hey, if you're gonna go through this process, what might what might this look like to to give some guide some guidance around that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that in, in principle. I love the table. Um, instead of the three-legged stool that many people in some Christian schools have grown up between the partnership between the church, home, and school, I love that idea of where does the community fit into that. Uh, but I just think that that is, a, that is a hard work that needs to be done for schools. Um, that one, yeah. So I just I, I wanted to argue with that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. All right, round three is what do you aspire to as an educator? So is there something in here? Um, yeah, that you thought, yeah, I need to make a note of that, and, and I want to aspire to be more like that, or to embed that more into my practice. I,
1: Dave? I've got a, this is a short one for me, but yeah. but one that really caught me here. i on page 62, so I'm in the chapter 4 on flourishing relationships. Um, this is the quote that, that caught me. In many schools, the subtext of relational work is transactional, mm-hmm. whether conscious or not. For example, positive interactions between leaders and teachers can be viewed as important, primarily for efficient school management. Well, good relationships with families can be seen as a vehicle for reinforcing the work of teachers in the classroom, and and I just that caught me because I think that if we're serious about flourishing and we're talking about relationships, that Mm -hmm. means like we need to lead with that flourishing. It can't just be something transactional. Mm -hmm. And I've said before too, uh, like I think there's a difference among colleagues between being congenial and being collegial, right? And I think that that's the same kind of Mm -hmm. argument here. It just makes me, it strikes me again that reminder i got to be more than just congenial, more than just being friendly to people around me. If I'm going to be a true colleague, there's a different kind of engagement that you have to have there. And it's more than just that transactional nature.
2: Right. And mine actually is from the same section. Oh, yeah. Um, And it's, it's this. A Christian vision for education does not view outcomes as ends that are justified by relational means. Rather, such a vision flips this narrative by framing the goals of education as entirely relational. Oh, yeah. So human relationships are not a means to an impersonal end, but the end themselves. The ends themselves are humans, specifically flourishing humans. And mm. so that for me was interesting. It's not that we're using relationships to get to an academic outcome. Right. Right? right. Much like the transactional nature yeah. that you were talking about, but the fact that flourishing humans are the goal.
1: Yeah, mm. right. And that changes the conversation. Right. Then, totally, right? like if that's the outcome it flips we're actually it. looking yeah. for. And I thought,
2: to hear
0: that yeah yeah good do, you, do you think that's what most parents want
1: <laughs> you're asking an important question and i think there's probably yes and no to that yeah yeah I yeah, yeah, for yeah. Sure. yeah for sure for sure i think the short version most parents would say yes but i don't know that they mean yes when wow. push comes to change so. right because i think there's multiple layers yes
2: yeah. but not, Not at, at the, the cost, cost
1: of. of film yeah. the work. Yeah. Right. I
0: think that w- I, the reason I ask is that I'm asking that even as I reflect on myself yeah. as a parent. Mm-hmm. So I yep. don't. of so that question sounds like you parents who are listening. <laughs> I'd say mm-hmm. what i um, maybe the better context is that what I want mm-hmm. as a parent and mm-hmm. and in the end for of course
1: I want my children right. to flourish. Right. Right.
2: And I but him to get what him else? Totally. Yeah. yeah. What right. else? What else do I want?
1: Right. And this picks up on what we were talking about yeah. last week too. Right. Like yeah. how how peculiar do you want to yeah. be? Yeah. yeah. Right. Do we really want peculiar? Yeah. Yes. But yeah. do we? Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. If to truly flourish
0: as image bearers of God might. That require us to give something up well it, it probably will yeah right? and are we willing to are we right. willing to I'm, and yeah and i'm asking that of myself and it's like the, the message, yes but
1: <laughs> the gospel yeah. message is one of being countercultural, though, yeah, right so yeah. then if we're serious yeah. about flourishing yeah. in a gospel informed kind mm-hmm. of way does that mean we're gonna look peculiar we're we gonna do things differently yeah. mm-hmm. probably yeah my my aspire comes from page
0: 80 where it just says if we're going to generally pursue flourishing together we first need to we need to first acknowledge our shortcomings where and whom we have excluded rather than included and then turn to do the hard work of reconciliation and where needed restoration and renewal it just reminds me right that reconciliation begins first by listening and trying to understand mm-hmm. right just to, be, to having the courage to ask hard questions and then to reflect on them. And so um, it just, and it made me wonder for all of our communities, um, no matter where that, you know, where the harm has been done. um, And I need to think about that in my own life too. Like as I'm sitting here talking, where do I need to seek reconciliation? Where did I, because nobody gets it right all the time. It's one thing to acknowledge that we didn't get it right. It's, another step that takes courage for the sake of their flourishing and and even our own to seek people out and say how how could we have done better so that we can do better
1: um, Mm -hmm.
0: in the future Mm -hmm. folks thanks for the good god-delighting work that you're doing in your schools and with students we want to thank you for joining us in the hallway and as you go into this week we just want to send you with this blessing may the lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace and give you peace and give you peace. Amen.
1: Thanks for listening
0: and have a good week, everybody.
1: This podcast was quite literally dreamed up during one of our actual Hallway Conversations. Our music is by Ethan Mulder. Hallway Conversations is an independent podcast created and produced by Matt Beamers, Abby DeGroat, and Dave Mulder. Thanks for listening. I was panicking. I was reading, you know. <laughs> hey, this bad. is relational work, too, after all. Sometimes things do fall apart. Oh, it's word. all right.